Good evening. So, this past week, a lot of us celebrated Thanksgiving. We gave thanks for what we have. We have our homes. We have food. We have our family. And we also have our freedom, especially the freedom to worship God without any persecution. And all these things, we should be very grateful for them. Who should we thank for that? Should we be thankful for the men who liberated us from Britain back in the Revolutionary War that made us our own country so that we can have our own rules, how we can have our own freedom? On a worldly scale, yeah. But let's look at it from a greater view. We should be thanking God for all that we have. Because without Him, what would there be? Would this church be standing here if not for Him? Would we all be here if not for what He did? We should be thanking God for everything. Now, as Ethan read, Genesis 1.1, God created the heavens and the earth. See, there are some specific things in creation that I'm very thankful for. And one of them, I'm thankful for the beauty that covers the earth. For instance, have you guys ever seen some of the national parks? Me, I just I love to see all the mountains. I love to see how all the green, the yellow, the orange, all those colors, depending on what season, of course, how you just see the mountains, all the yellow, the green, orange, red, they all just roll over each other. <clears throat> I love seeing the deer grazing in the fields. And I love seeing the sun rays just poking through the clouds, hitting the tops of the trees way far in the distance. All of this is just such a beautiful picture. Except it ain't on canvas. It is real. It ain't on a computer. It ain't one of them new movies that the computer makes all the pictures. No, it is right there in front of you. If you would, turn to Genesis chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. And the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good, and God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. He made this earth. 
And when he made the earth, he put all sorts of things on it. He put all the plants on it, the trees, the flowers, the fruit-bearing plants, even the grass. All of this covered the earth. And as we gaze upon these now, we see immense beauty across the expanses of land. One of the national parks that I like to go to, Cades Cove, it's up in Pigeon Forge. Me and my family, we usually go there whenever we go on vacation, and we take a ride through the park. We always see the trees and the mountains, of course, but we also look for the animals, too. Real quick, before I continue with that, turn to Genesis 1 again and look at verses 24 and 25. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. He created all the animals that roam the earth. He created the deer, the raccoons, the squirrels, and the bears. I could go on for the entire night listing on all the animals that he's made. But I'll just stop there. Anyways, he created all these things to roam and graze on the earth. Going back to how I visit Cade's Cove, we look for the deer and the bears to see all the animals that live on God's green earth roaming on such a beautiful, beautiful landscape. And it's absolutely amazing. And I am so thankful that God created the earth. But there's another thing that I'm thankful for. Look back in chapter 1 again, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. God made us. Not some pool of unknown liquids, some rocks banging together in space. No. God made us. And God not only made us, He made us in His image. That's why we look as we do. And I'm so thankful that He's made us. Without Him creating us, what would there be? We wouldn't know. We wouldn't exist if he didn't make us. And see, that's exactly my point. That's why I'm thankful for him making us. Now, as I close out, I want you to turn to Genesis 2, 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils and the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. In this, 
God made us a living being. He gave us a soul. He made it possible for us to live with Him eternally. He gave us a soul. But something happened in that garden. Deception happened. And that led to sin. The soul was tainted. What could we do then? After the next reading, Steve's going to tell us exactly what we can do then. I'll be reading from Genesis 3, 6. Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, and the tree describable to make one wise, she took of it of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Appreciate how Justin said he's very thankful for creation, for everything that we can see on this planet, we can be thankful for. And one of the reasons we'd be thankful for it, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice, is the beauty of it. Just, just look, especially this time of year, he brings up pitching forwards and can't. there's nothing more beautiful in October, maybe it's a little, uh, not as much at this time, late November, but you, you drive through Dunlap, or you drive toward Knoxville and or Crossville and Knoxville into Pigeon Forge and just see the beauty of all the different colors, just shouting out, hey, I'm here, God is. But even in the springtime, when, when everything comes back and it's so green, it's obvious from the physical eye that it's not just happenstance, it's not just coincidence. It was created that way. And then Justin talked about God's special creation, if I may put it that way. Us, mankind, the man and the woman. Again, the Bible says that we, he, he made us in His image, in His likeness. We were made to serve Him and to love Him. But we were also made, thankfully, made to live with Him forever. Again, in chapter, Genesis chapter 2, and verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. If that doesn't happen, we're ragdolls. We're nothing. But God loved us so much, and we should be thankful to Him for breathing life into us, giving us a soul that's going to live forever someplace. As we go on with this story, we know something happened. And as you look at Genesis chapter 2, it's sort of a synopsis of day 6 creation. The man and the woman, Adam and Eve, the, the, the marriage, them two becoming one flesh. Very beautiful thing. As you get into chapter 3, things begin to crumble. And as Joshua from verse 6, as as the serpent in the disguise as Satan comes to her and begins to tell her all kinds of lies, half-truths, deceptions. She buys into it. And verse 6 again tells us, 
When she saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And First John sort of talks about this. doesn't necessarily mention this, but uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In Genesis 3, 6, we see that come to life. And that's what she gave into. That's what Adam gave into. So, not much to be thankful there, right? But we go into, further into chapter 6, or, chapter, or Genesis chapter 3, and we see how God is going to deal with this issue. In verse 16, he states to the woman, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you will bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. But also to the man. Verse 17, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it. All the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return scathing rebuke by the God of heaven. Man, you should remember you're just dust. But we know we're more than that. We know we have a soul. But here's the verse. He also curses the serpent. Look in verse 14. He says, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field, on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity. This is a highlight verse. We think about this is a sad episode in mankind's history. And we think God created everything. Matter of fact, one of the last verses he states about creation, he looked at it and it was very good. Very good. Meaning it was perfect. It was great. And we think, we sin, sin into the world. What's going to be done? Look at verse 15. God states, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. If you've ever seen the movie, uh, The Passion of the Christ, it's brutal. It's hard to watch. But the producer, the director, does a really good job of portraying some things that should really make us think. But the opening scene is an actor who's portraying the Christ. He's in the garden. He's praying that, that prayer in the garden right before he's going to be turned over, betrayed. And as he's praying, there's a serpent slithering around in the garden. And he takes some Hollywood artistic license. And as that serpent comes up, it nips the back of the hill of the actor playing Jesus. And all of a sudden you see the sandal go up, come down, and take care of the head of the serpent. There was a plan that God had in place all along. If man were to fall into sin and to disobey him, there was a plan. Satan would nip the heel of this Messiah. But there was a bigger plan to save us for eternity. 
Would you please turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1? <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1. As we're thankful for the creation, as we're thankful that God has given us a soul, we can be thankful that God has made provisions for us to not have to live with Satan forever, but to live with him forever. He wants his soul back with him. God does. Now look in Colossians chapter 1. Let's begin with verse 13. It reads, He, God, had delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. God has delivered us from darkness, transferred us into the love of His Son, into the kingdom of His Son. We were in darkness. Adam and Eve were in darkness. Sin entered the world. That's darkness. But God's delivered us from the power of it. And it's very powerful. It's a lure. Sin wants to keep us trapped. Satan wants to keep us trapped. But God has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. He adds people who obey the gospel to his church. But go on. Verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of sins because Jesus shed his blood. Yes, Satan nipped the hill of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. His own countrymen turned him over. But as we know, the tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. Then in verse 15, who is this Jesus? He is the image of the invisible God. We can't see God other than when Romans 1 talks about, look around you, you can see God perfectly. But Jesus is the image of God. Who is God? You look to Jesus. What about God's love? You look to Jesus. What about God's grace? You look to Jesus. What about forgiveness of sins? You look to Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. Justice started out being thankful for creation. Well, who created it? And who was it created for? All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. That's why Jesus is our mediator. That's why Jesus is our intercessor. That's why we go through him to get to the Father. Did Jesus himself not say, if you want to go to heaven, you have to come through me? There's no other way? And He is that way. Then in verse 18 it states, And He, Jesus, is the head of the body. What's the body? Paul tells you. The church. Who is beginning. The firstborn from the dead. Then in all things He may have the preeminence. He was raised from the dead. Never to die again. He was raised from the dead to give us hope. Because he is the image of God. And death couldn't hold him. 
And He came back from that grave to give us hope to be with God again. See, in the garden, that relationship was severed. But through Jesus, He's brought us back. He is the reconciliator, if I may use that word. We can be reconciled to God because of what Jesus did. So we can be thankful for creation. We can be thankful that He gave us a soul, and we should be. But we also should be thankful that through Jesus of Nazareth, because of what He did for us, and God was willing to give us His Son, we have the hope of eternal life. If you would take out your hymn books and turn to song number 125. Song 125. Do you know my Jesus? God, through His Son Jesus, has made everything possible for us to have a relationship with Him. Yes, there was a severed relationship, but it doesn't have to be that way anymore. God has made it to where we can be in His kingdom. He can take us out of darkness, and He, and only He can do that, can take us out of darkness and transfer us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, into the church. God can take us and add us to His church. Was it some type of magic potion? It's just so, so I mentally think, okay, I gotta believe in you. Transfer me. Any novice Bible student knows that's not the case. We cannot be saved unless God says we are saved. We cannot be saved unless God gives us His grace. We cannot be saved unless Jesus' blood is spilled on that ground in Jerusalem. But we also can't be saved unless we obey the gospel, the good news. And it is good news. And we obey that gospel by believing in the Word, by having a penitent heart, by being baptized for the remission of our sins. That's the Bible. And by living faithfully to the day we die. So if anybody tonight needs to obey the gospel, needs to give your life to God or back to God, We would love to help you any way we can as we stand and sing.